Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a brutally brief, breathtakingly brusque brand of Norwich City briefing as we look on the bright side of the World Cup break. Edie and John join me for one last chat before we can focus on Ecuador versus Qatar and Christmas shopping. John, it was kind of better for a bit and then awful again on Saturday. Oh, yeah, it's just so up and down, isn't it? Like it's We were fine for what, 20, well... All right, I, I said to someone the other day that we were fine for 20 minutes and they corrected me and said that it was 28 minutes and exactly on the 28th minute that uh, someone got injured and that allowed Michael Carrick to make um, some tactical tweaks, which meant that we just couldn't cope with Borough anymore. But that's kind of a worry for me. Um, and I was, I was saying this elsewhere that Borough just switched and, and just put overloads in wide areas, especially down our left-hand flank. And we couldn't cope with it. and We did nothing to mitigate it. Um, so for all the lovely, you know, I saw quite a few journalists tweeting at halftime going, oh, that's our best 45 minutes of the season. And I thought it's maybe our best 25 minutes of the season or 28 minutes or whatever we're calling it. But it wasn't, it wasn't like particularly swashbuckling or brilliant. It was just competent. And and then it moved to, well, tactically we've been found out. Um, they, they seem to, their levels seem to raise, ours seem to regress back to you know a meme that that we've seen across the whole season and that worries me because we've talked on this podcast repeatedly about how Dean Smith was a really good kind of in-game thinker and changed things positively off the bench and we have an embarrassment of riches on the bench you know in in terms of players that were able to to you know bring into the fray and and to you know positively impact on games you know you look at the likes of Kieran Dowell or Onel Hernandez you know, Adam Eders to come back, you know, there's various options that, that you can look at as impact players. Marcelino Nunez is on our bench. That's that's ridiculous for how he kind of started the season. But he doesn't seem to be doing that anymore. It almost feels like we've been found out in that regard and that all we're doing now is starting quite well for 20 minutes or just having a 20-minute patch and, and that's our lot. And that's going to be enough against a few teams, you know, certainly against bottom half teams, but it's going to be nowhere near enough against teams that are relatively progressive, that know what they're doing and are organised. And that's what Middlesbrough were, and full credit to them. You know, they they came here with a plan, they executed, and I thought they left with a deserved three points. Uh, and it just sets us off into a such a shitty kind of, we've got a stew on that for four weeks or however long it is till, till Blackburn. So yeah, it just feels a bit rubbish. Yeah, if you look at the um, where that result left us in the table, um, there is a it, it's it's a really tricky one. We've we've covered it before, and and one of the one of the things about kind of doing a podcast is you hope that there is there's a fresh narrative or there's enough different things that happen every couple of weeks that there's something fresh to talk about. And and we, we really don't try and just hammer the same point again and again. But I, I really do feel we've kind of got to the point now where it it looks like Dean Smith will probably just about keep Norwich in the playoff picture all season. And they may or may not finish in the top six. Um, I mean, as it stands, there's one point separating where we are in fifth um, and kind of the five teams underneath us. We could easily drop out of the top ten if we lost against Blackburn and other results went 
went went against us. So it's so we are just holding on to that playoff picture. And you mentioned the quality on the bench, John. I think there's enough quality in the squad um, to to effectively almost almost irrelevant of who is our manager. That's a top half squad that would that even performing twenty minutes a game as we have done at best this season, that will probably be enough. It's very difficult, therefore, to kind of motivate yourself for um for that challenge if you're not enjoying the product for seventy five percent of each of the games. So Edie, what 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 would you say to, to fans who are thinking I'm delighted for this four week break. Maybe I'll feel better after the World Cup. You know, are there any crumbs of comfort where is there any green shoots that it might be different after after the break? It maybe it's possible that everybody going off and looking at something else for four weeks just means that the kind of collective the reason why there's a slight kind of spiraling of the sentiment here is that there's no conversation being had. Normally, in when this has happened before, there's been some sort of more of a conversation between club and fans and community. But at the moment, it's it's just very much kind of just shut up and go away, stop being so negative um, kind of thing. And I think that's basically not going to resolve anyone's feelings when they're trying to express themselves. So maybe if we were all to go away and look at something else for four weeks, we might come back with that kind of fresh start, first day of school feeling, potentially. But I don't know, it, it's it's so weird. I know we should be yellow till we die, and I know that we should support our club, but it feels very much at the moment, it's a bit like, um, so John Lewis, popular brand, people like to shop at John Lewis. There are a lot of people who think of themselves as John Lewis customers. John Lewis would never turn around and go, oh, you know, you should be shopping here whether you like it or not. They always try and essentially sell products to the John Lewis customer and build relationships with them and keep that relationship ongoing. And like it or not, this football club is kind of providing in terms of in exchange for our money that we pay, it's providing a community uh, focus. It's providing um, an entertainment product it's providing all kinds of things for the tickets. And it there's just this very odd idea. Like John Lewis would never, ever decide that it is entitled to its customers' money. It, it, it very much recognises it as a transactional uh, arrangement. And so that's where I think at the moment it is very, very odd that we're not kind of, I don't know, there's just a brick wall. So the brick wall is what's going to take four weeks to either just sort of simmer down or we'll come back and it will feel very alienating indeed if 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 things haven't changed and if that kind of fever pitch is still there. If if we're hearing from local media outlets that there's no involvement allowed in the exchanging of messages and sentiment. So it's 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 it could go either way i don't think we'll come back and things will be just the same um but it will either hopefully a little bit of pressure will be off or it will just feel grim because it felt it felt very grim at the end of the game on saturday um and you know it, it really was quite painful um and i 
you know, you, you touched on it there. So let's, let's cover it off now. Um, there have been uh, a couple of um, interviews that have taken place over the last week or so, which suggests that the club are trying to show a bit of willing um, whether or not they actually, in one case, had anything to do with the uh, the arranging of the interview is another thing. Um, they sort of, it was too late and they couldn't stop it. Um, but, you know, in the case of um, Mark Atanasio being available to the, the BBC on, on the day of, of the game, um, that, that was a positive thing. And, and listening to that interview, I felt very positive around the kind of uh, outside view looking in and, and the things that he said on that interview with, with Phil Daly, um, that, that was very, very positive, I thought. And that, that did, that coupled with then a very bright opening 28 minutes, if that's the specific time, John, that, that there was on, on, on Saturday at, you know, 3.28 there, 4pm, I was feeling pretty glass half full as a, as an Irish fan. You know, then what, what transpired was another prime example of, of looking enviously at the opposition dugout. And it's happened so often this season where there's been an opposition manager where, where you've gone, oh, look, look at him changing things. Look at him visually changing a shape and changing something. And, and that, 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 because I don't give Dean Smith any credit for subs at all this season. He's got an amazing bench and he's often corrected a terrible selection by bringing on a better version of that. But, you know, anyone, anyone can do that. Like that's not, that's not difficult. Um, what I haven't seen is a is a clear change of shape or a total change of style or I haven't seen that from him this season at all or, or last season obviously. Um, so so Archon and the Athletic um, are, are, seem to be out in the cold. Um, the BBC seem to be less out in the cold, but there certainly doesn't still seem to be the same kind of access and the same amount of information flowing through from the club that we used to be. The the club want to do everything through their own channels. That's fine if if there are in some way kind of any independent voices in there able to, to ask. So they put, they put this supporters panel um, minutes out, you know, which just got pelters on social media because of some of the suggestions, you know, it might've been an idea for it to be a redacted minutes or or just the minutes that they thought wouldn't be laughed at (laughs) rather than putting everything that came out of everyone's mouth um, with no filter out, bearing in mind, you know, it's not like those people have been voted onto that panel. It uh, it feels like they could be handed the keys to um, uh, Redwell Brewery and a piss-up wouldn't take place, John. Yeah, I mean, we've had a question about the supporters panel and, and I think it was, it was kind of all, what are our views and has the club almost use this as I'm just gonna have a look at the exact words has this is so this is from Samuel Langan on Twitter who said what do you think of the supporters panel has the club used this as a way to try and cover up the clear disconnect were the questions too soft and I think look the supporters panel came into being what we're talking about nigh on a couple of years ago um might have been impeded on you know in terms of its actual functions through COVID but you've got I forget how many people it is, like six to eight people, I'd imagine, supporters that have been elected to that panel, all of which are, you know, kind of going to those meetings and championing causes and probably canvassing people on social media just because of their love of the football club. And, you know, all power to them because, you know, along come Norwich, we have championed supporter causes and atmosphere and raised various issues with the football club because of our love for it. So, like this isn't digging out 
the panel at all. But I think what the the club somehow fails to do, it, or what has it maybe has failed to do over the last twelve months, and I, I realise that the support engagement strategy perhaps is is about to maybe be relaunched. I think is the noises that we're going to hear on, on this. But what they've done is they've almost just said, well, we need to talk to supporters, so that those six to eight people that are um, you know that, that are elected onto this panel you know kind of are the the requisite number that, that we need to engage with and I think they've ignored established and good working relationships with supporter groups and not just you know us this isn't us just you know kind of throwing proverbial toys out of the pram there, there are lots of excellent supporter groups who've done excellent work with the football club um, and they feel like they've been pushed to the back burner and, and that you know we referenced the atmosphere meeting that we had um, just before the last pod, that's the first one that we've had in probably, you know, kind of, I don't know, the first formal one we might have had in 18 months, two years. So I think they've neglected those relationships and they, they need to reignite those. And the supporters panel is almost on a hiding to nothing um, because, you know, they're putting out ideas and, and, you know, kind of issues for comment that they feel are pertinent. But everyone's just so negative about the football club at the moment because of this disconnect that anything that they raise is going to be scoffed at. I, I see people going, oh, not clappers again. And, and why are they putting song lyrics on clappers and all the rest of it? Do you know what? I hate clappers. I absolutely loathe them. And if they were to put them in the Barclay, I might kick up a bit of a fuss. But if they put them in other areas of the ground, as much as I won't be wholesale or I will be wholesale against it, fair enough. Like try and do something in other areas of the ground. That's fine. So, yeah, I think that panel itself, um, you know, they I don't, they've referenced really good work that they've done around the Crest um, engagement. I was actually quite disappointed that it was just the supporters panel that they went through for the Crest engagement. I mean, by the time it was presented to us as a supporters group, it it was a done deal. Like there was really no wriggle room in terms of the Crest. And it it was just, look, for me, I've got no issue with the Crest change. But if it had been a wholesale change, I wonder how much supporters would have had influence on that. And that's the bit that, I think the club are doing things in spite of supporters sometimes and, and not talking to them properly. And that doesn't go for everyone. You know, look, to balance it out, there are there are some excellent people at the football club. I say this, you know, ad finitum that, that I talk to that really get it. But equally, there just seems to be some decisions that just perplex me. And the thing is, you, you referenced it there a moment ago, Tom, about I don't know how supporter or you know how the club is trying to almost modify its behavior and change its behavior almost to act like a you know a premier league club would you know kind of maybe like a crystal palace would or a burnley when they were there or a southampton we're not them like and the, and the one thing that made me feel more connected to the football club than anything else over the last few decades of supporting them is the fact that you know we did different is the fact that you know we recognise that and we recognise that you know we invite the you know the local media to our AGM or that we you know we give local media you know a bit more context or we do speak to our supporters in a, in a more considered way and and you know look let's be fair we were all lauding the club for what they were doing three or four years ago or two or three years ago I felt like we were the envy of maybe the EFL or the Championship. You know, and, and certainly from a Premier League perspective, we were doing fan engagement better than so many clubs. And it just feels like because we've seen what good looks like and we've then had it taken away from us in order for us to behave more like other football clubs would, just makes us feel a bit soulless. And I think that's that's where I'm at with it all at the moment is, yeah, fine, if you want to act like a Premier League club 
act like a Premier League club, but don't expect me to feel as connected to it. There's so much irony about that, though, because I think a lot of what they are emulating is to do with perception rather than reality. Because I think there are a lot of massive clubs out there that Norwich can aspire to be like, who are doing amazing fan engagement, who are really reaching out and being part of the community. And I think it's a lot of the behaviour here is based on a very old school idea. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's it's very much about sort of head office as opposed to the community in which the club sits. But um, it, it feels almost a little bit like what happens when any relationship goes to pot a bit, in that the big questions aren't being asked, like, you know, could we communicate better? Are we spending enough time with each other? And at this stage, it's like, well, you know, I'm making you toast in the mornings. Or, you know, maybe I should, like, buy your box of chocolates on a Friday. It just feels like those very granular, perfunctory changes that actually do nothing to address the kind of wider malaise that is actually sitting between us and, and the club. But I don't think there's I don't think there's any uh, acknowledgement. I mean, the, yeah, going to take continue your uh, your latest analogy from a couple's counselling point of view, it, it is very much like one one side of the, you know, the person who's been dragged along to the couple's counselling has no under, no reason to believe they should be there. You know, they don't, they yeah, don't really like, think... I'm here, aren't I? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I effectively, it, it, someone re- replied on the main thread of the where the supporters panel stuff was um, shared, the minutes were shared, basically saying that's another uh, box ticked. And, and and I'm afraid that really is the way that it seems. It's 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 a kind of um, these are the things you're allowed to have an opinion on. As soon as you ask anything that we don't like, I mean, like just take the the club's own um, in-house write-up, if you can call it that, of the um, of the AGM. You know, the the, the few interesting questions that, that were asked, which you hear about from shareholders who then tell you. Uh, or, or people who who were there and, and not able to report for whatever reason, um, like, and people have been posted on the pink and message board, and, and other things have been shared that they they aren't that wasn't covered, and and you and you think well, again going back to what I said, we've we've got so much time for loads of employees of Norwich City Football Club as humans, um, but the, the approach of, of 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 not reporting and sharing everything it, it just then well well then therefore you are doing your own coverage of it isn't sufficient because if you we 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 heard beforehand oh well many football clubs it's, it's not the norm to have to have you know um have open uh have it open or have it covered by archant or bbc or whatever well that might be the case but we always have done so that's a sort of ridiculous argument because because we're us and you know it came up that you know, one of you know, the questions about whether or not, um, why isn't the head coach there? You know, uh, questions about um, issues with the club's uh, support of LGBT, um, and 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 these other these other elements that were brought up by by stakeholders that wasn't reported by by you know. I, I think they are legitimate questions that 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 we think. Well, I want to know that there's 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 shareholders who think that and have got an issue with that. I want to know. The answer and how that was handled that well actually yeah Daniel attended a few of these so why isn't it is actually a president that the head coach would be there so you know I I really do want to know more about 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 those things um because as a fan I find it interesting and trying to suppress interest in your in 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 their affairs 
um, is is not the way to is not the way to address the problem because if you try and put your finger on it, um, it at Norwich and, and I, I, I you know paraphrase I'm going to paraphrase myself, but I think I said this last time out. But at Norwich, it isn't enough just to be in the top six. And um, uh, I saw a, 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 an exchange on social media yesterday, someone saying, you know, the win rate is worse than Rhoda and I haven't been so miserable since Rhoda. And someone quite rightly replied and said, Rhoda didn't get us anywhere near the top six in the championship. That's kind of the point. That's kind of the point. Being an Norwich fan is not about winning trophies because we don't win very many of them. You know, it is, it is so, we are, we are, we are, we want to be either, either entertained or feel hugely emotionally involved or be rooting for an underdog who, um, you know, there are kind of, there's loads of mitigating circumstances why, okay, we get that you can't really entertain us and thrill us because you are, you know, fighting against all the odds here. But if you can nick a draw away at Anfield, brilliant, well done. Do you see what I mean? Like there's, there needs to be a, a, a narrative and an involvement there. And it is, I don't think there is a tangible list of three things that we could walk into the club tomorrow and say, right, do these three things and it fixes it. I do think it feels cultural. It feels, it feels like one kind of own goal after another. And, and I honestly get the impression that they don't care. I, I, I don't feel like the, I feel, I feel like there's lots of employees, several rungs down from the exec committee that care because they live around here and they probably have been around here for a long time. And, you know, they've got a job in football at the moment, but maybe they haven't always done and they care. But the way that they're being told to act and the, the briefings they're getting are from those people who to whom we are a stepping stone. And I don't feel I don't think I've felt as much like Norwich is a stepping stone for key people at the club as much as I currently do. And that goes for almost everyone in authority, other than maybe a couple of, of roles with people I've, you know, I've I've kind of met and spent time with. Well, met and spent time with nearly everyone other than the, the American investors. Um it's there's some really great people at the club and obviously not including Dilly Michael, but I feel like some people, we are just the latest stop on us on a CV. And then if they care at all about not giving that impression, there needs to be a series of actions, words that, that kind of show that that isn't the case. I mean, is that just emotional this, twaddle, do you think? Or, or do, yeah, you, think, this, do you see this, where I'm coming from? There's been a retreat down an emotional cul-de-sac culturally mm. and and i'll say this what used the the absolutely at the core of norwich used to be optimism now optimism is all about hoping for the best but being realistic enough to anticipate danger and risk and prepare for it and chart a course towards the best possible outcome and um it's 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 having imagination and it's why I was so delighted to see this season's uh, inflow of lovely, happy boys. Mm. Just because they were genuinely, they just looked outward facing. They looked receptive to the world around them. They looked curious. Um, and I think the the enemy of optimism is positivity. And that is what is kicking in here. And I, I think it comes very much from certain ways of thinking that have been held up as kind of almost um, like core ideologies of this new world. Um, and positivity 
is running into danger because you can't even anticipate that something might go wrong because to acknowledge that is to be negative. Uh, it's insisting on a set story arc. So if someone else isn't quite perceiving the things the way you are, they are the enemy, they're being negative. And I think that essentially swapping out optimism for positivity is what's led us down this track because there is no room for anyone else's input, feedback, perception, warnings of danger. Because if you are doing any of that, then you are perceived to be uh, stopping them from succeeding. But actually, success doesn't come from putting your head down, putting your blinkers on and charging in one direction, because there are loads of other factors at play all around you. And you have to dance between the raindrops. You have to navigate a route. This is what grown up business people do. And to insist on this kind of weird one track grind that is not going in the right direction and hasn't for a long time, but doubling down and continuing on, it's it's not leading to a good way. And it's it's I don't think it's particularly helpful. I don't think it's healthy. I think that it can be all kinds of offshoots, like, for example, increased risk of injury is one of them. The other one is um, a depleted relationship between fans and club. So it goes off in all kinds of directions, but this central mindset of positivity is I think just like, if I could do one thing, if I could whisk my magic wand around, it would be to just do something to undo the progress that had happened in that direction. Um, and then I, I just sort of, I can only hope that the introduction of an external business perspective with this new investment can hopefully just nip it in the bud and go, look, you, you can't do a, a, a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, if you have a positive mindset, because the positive mindset goes, well, all of the strengths, we have no weaknesses. Mm. What are our opportunities to win? And what are our threats? We don't have any. And then how do you go forward adequately preparing your business strategy? So I, I think I'm well, I hope and I pray that outside interference comes into here and just shakes this ridiculous ideology until it gets to a place that's more grown up and more professional and reflects the way people in the outside world do business. Yeah, I think, it's a, I think there is a lack of grown up discourse. Um, and, and I think you've hit the nail on the head with regards to how an articulated what we have been feeling for a while we being collective pronoun for Norwich fans, um, that if you're with us, brilliant, you're great fans, you are, you can, you know, you, you can, you can come to the stadium every time you like. And, you know, from a, you take that, whether that be a journalist point of view, you can have this access, you can have this, this interview. Um, oh, you said something that we didn't completely like there and we didn't, we didn't actually want you to pursue that line. Um, so, so no, you, you've had your choice taken away. You, you can't, you, you now will turn up exactly the time you're told and nothing else. And that's, that's the end of that. And, and it's that what felt like a collaboration between the BBC, Archant, the Athletic, um, you know, we keep you saying Archant, I don't think they are Archant anymore, but you know what I mean? That those lads, that doesn't seem to be a two way street anymore. They don't seem to be rubbing each other's backs, um, or whatever that terminology is. And, and I, that makes it difficult it makes it harder to it makes it harder to feel like the club when it's only coming from the club and everything must be that you, you just think well hang on i know you i'm not getting a full story here so it's 
we, we are such a media savvy generation or you know and by generation I mean the people who are alive now not a specific not just millennials or gen z or whatever we are we are used to and looking out for and we are cynical and looking out for things where we think well that's not an independent source and they're only saying that because of this that and the other and who's your paymaster and in to try and behave in a kind of totalitarian way with with controlling the message in inverted commas to an audience who are that savvy and that cynical and to be fair with the crap product on the pitch it's it's a bad time to be trying to pull that on us john yeah and i and i think this is the thing norwich city as a fan base because of the nuance and the excellent journalism that we've had locally are just way more educated i think than than your average fan and you know look we're really lucky to have the likes of you know the lads as you just called them over at you know ruin road or where, wherever their offices are now and you know michael at the athletic and you know and chris and rob at the beep because they do provide excellent context to pretty much every you know even the smallest of norwich city stories because you know it's that they're on the local beat they're covering it they are offering a different angle they are after content all over the shop so you know they they probably pump out you know between them three or four podcasts a week which lots of people will lap up and listen to you know and loads of content behind paywalls that people will absolutely pay for because they love this football club and they're interested in those types of stories so the fact that there is a bit of a void with regards to that worries me and just to go back to what Edie was saying you know around this kind of maybe insular attitude and and I don't know toxic positivity or what you know however we're going to badge it the club were at pains a while ago to kind of throw out that um, the phrase "none of us is as smart as all of us," and, and almost like, "Well, we want your ideas, we want you to criticise us, we want you to tell us when something's not quite right." And it just doesn't. That culture has has gone. And I, there are look. I, my personal view is there are people, even at executive level, who get it, who know what football's all about, who get fan culture. It just almost feels like they've just lost their way. And it, I don't actually think that it's that it's irretrievable. I think, you know, maybe just with some kind of major reset and that look, that might be a change in, shall we just, you know, kind of talk about the elephant in the room, that might be a change in sporting director. Because for all we know, by the end of this, you know, international break, Stuart Webber could be an employee of Chelsea Football Club and then everything changes quite quickly. And that's not just because of Stuart Webber, but that's because there is someone who is fresh faced, who's invigorated, who has new ideas, or maybe it's just Neil Adams, you know, and, and it might be more of the same. I don't know. But, you know, it creates a, a void in terms of culture that needs to be filled. And hopefully that is filled in a, to Edie's point, in an optimistic manner rather than, you know, a positive manner. But it just feels like something needs to happen. There needs to be a catalyst for change. And right now, we've said it on this podcast, ad nauseum, we're just bobbing along and we'll probably finish anywhere between 4th and 12th. And that's not a pass score for Norwich City Football Club. And that's not a pass. And in terms of the product on the pitch, that's not a pass score. But the way in which we're engaging and culturally we're cultivating um, a feeling amongst our supporters that's not a pass score either and we've done way better than that we've punched above our weight for years I think and we're not right now well the, the point going to the the kind of questions we had in um 
uh, Elizabeth Cordwell made the kind of made the point there, similar to what we said before, and similar to what you just said, which is a lot of the answers at the AGM on Thursday were justified with a slightly defensive. Well, this is what other clubs do, um, and you know, aren't we better when we're a bit different and not just doing what other clubs do? And it's like, yeah, that's the point. It, it's to, to be Norwich is not just to be another Championship club, or you know, and that's that is. I think that is every much the reason why people got annoyed with the top twenty six line, as it, it wasn't necessarily a lack of ambition to want to be top twenty. It was the yeah, but we're not. We don't really rank ourselves in terms of other clubs in that way. The, the point is, it's what it is to be a Norwich fan, and and the, and the way it reflects our normal for Norfolk personality and community, and the fact that we are a bit different and we are out on the right hand side of the country, and that you know. I I think that 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 hits the nail on on the head. Um, so yeah, there's, there was a couple of, a couple of questions that I think it's worth kind of going to now, punt that just kind of reinforce what we've been saying. Yeah, and I think I don't know this person's name, so apologies. But on Twitter, there run cycle cake. Um, and they say that is their do name. you think Weber has yeah that may, <laughs> may well be to be fair there's a lovely picture of them cycling so I'm presuming it's about their hobbies I can't see any cake uh, in the they... picture <clears throat> yeah hang on if I zoom in on their physique maybe it'll be obvious if they like cake no I'm not going to do that um, do you think so their question is do you think Weber has evolved how club the club I, mean, I presume they mean interacts with fans and media to mirror bigger clubs to help facilitate his aspirations to move to one um, and then you've, we've obviously we've got Elizabeth Colwell's excellent question that, that you've just referenced there. I think there is, isn't there, Edie? There's this kind of, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but is it just, is this senior people at the football club trying to evolve it into something that it's not? I don't know about the word evolve. I think that's the one that just sticks out a bit <laughs> All right, there. We'll just say change. I just, I just like, I like to watch the film Mike Bassett, England manager, and that is an old film, but I just feel like some of the kind of outlooks and vibes um, emanating from uh, the uh, head office of our football team have just got that similar kind of feel to them, like really old fashioned really not very of the moment you look at all these other teams engaging so strongly with lgbt groups for example that they're not doing that because it's it's the right thing to do they're doing it because it's great for business you want more and more people to buy your product you want all of your customers to have an optimum customer experience and i know this takes it away a little bit from the the beauty of jumpers for goalposts but um Football is great because it unites people. It gives them something to believe in. It gives them something to, other than themselves to focus on. And it's escapism. Um, and it, it, at the moment, like everything's going off to Qatar and kind of slightly weeing all over that, quite frankly. I'm not <laughs> sure how much of it I'm going to experience by choice. I don't think I feel particularly comfortable kind of looking at this wholesale product that's taking place somewhere that has no relevance to most people who love football um but but yeah I just think in terms of like what they're trying to evolve it to I think it has a lot to do with one's whoever it is that wants to do this it's to do with what they think is aspirational what they think is cool it just smacks of 
Range Rovers and gilets and collars up and going to a barbecue and going, oh, fantastic grub. It's just like, it's just this horrible (laughs) man at a barbecue vibe that it just doesn't relate to the modern day world. If you look at Coca-Cola's football advertising, Sky's football advertising, that doesn't show that world. And we should be looking at the new environment of football and not at the Mike Bassett world's which was, by the way, um, about how Norwich was embarrassing as a team to manage. So we come back full circle, don't we? Do you think and that's an interesting point, is... actually, because the, well, I was going to say, Tom, that the club, as as far as I understand it, has, you know, used to have an equality and, and diversity and inclusion working group, which was, you know, comprised of various different supporter groups and supporters, and they just ditched it. And, and that, again, you know, that's the kind of thing that concerns me that, do you know what, the, the club, the club can do lots of things and actually they can think behind closed doors that it's just platitudes and they're just ticking boxes and all the rest of it. But actually it means stuff to some people that the way in which that breeds hope and optimism in some supporters, which then, you know, again, that that just, you know, kind of, I don't know, that that positivity is infectious. And that's, you know, that's what previous employees of the football club I think did really well is that they maybe they didn't really believe it in their hearts but they knew that it was a necessity to get some people on board so they did it anyway and that might have been to go back to your point Tom that might have been them actually you know in terms of that stepping stone analogy that you used that that might have been them furthering their own cause but they did it and it worked well and we all felt listened to and we just don't anymore I think that's a real worry well the, you know there's a couple of big um, big storylines that happened over the last year or so with regards to Everest um, and you know before that BKA and you know that you know and there was a there was a particular article um, that was published around um, you know making some kind of accusations around character and an and attitude of one of the execs um, from you know a, a different member of a different supporters committee I, I I can't help but feel that there is a uh, a lack of getting over it that that maybe to use your kind of grown up business analogy I, that a grown up business person would would get over that those kind of um maybe maybe the the wording or it strayed too far and you know the 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 fact that that um you know the pinkin didn't sit on a story for for as long as they wanted them to sit on a story um you know it's not an alpha flex is it it's it's not what an alpha uh, it's not what a high status person would do it it just seems to me to 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 reek of a lack of self awareness um of uh, the, these people and, and um, you know we don't want to we don't want to moan about we like moaning about the football we're good at that i would much rather that the football was the only thing to moan about um it's got a yeah. bit of the apprentice hasn't it mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't like watching that. Yeah, you I don't mean, take this down as Stuart bags the brand rabbit hole. Then you, we're doing it wrong now, surely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, you feel like they might want to rename Norwich City the A Team or something, you know, it, to, and come up with that that kind of level of of good idea of of team name. No, I I don't. Um, I I just I don't I think sometimes they forget that the people that they're crossest at are maybe the ones who are so invested, and the reason that they spout. Mm-hmm. content is not just because of it because it's a job uh, um and you know we are such a tiny tiny speck in in that kind of bit of the narrative but we 
um, make precisely zero. Like we lose money doing Malcolm Norwich, right? You know, it, we do not the, the get podcast. It, certainly, yeah, yeah, that doesn't earn us money. We do not way. earn any money. Like we literally and any love... money we like we make from merch just is going into flags and probably running this podcast. To be fair, mate. But yeah, anyway. so you know, we 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 are not we we don't have you know logos on our back you know we don't have a side of microphone sponsor we're not willing to lick ass to get to get interviews we're we're not grifters right that's that isn't our that's not our bag it's never going to be our brand um but what anyone at the club who cares to ever look at the title of our podcast or deigns to listen to it if they can't pick up that we love the football club as much, if not more, than every single employee at the football club, we have got lifelong generations of love for the football club. It is all love, as maybe the kids would or wouldn't say. You know, there is no hostility towards the football club or any of the employees at the football club. When we said a few games ago, I think it's time that we've got to actually say, I think we are at a consensus ACM-wise that Smith isn't the right person for the football club. We couldn't have filled it with more caveats of, I'm sure he's really, really nice. I said I'd love to play golf with him. I would. I heard he's a very handy golfer. Um, you know, it's nothing personal against individual people. And, and people can change. People can grow. People can evolve. And after at 3.28 p.m., as I said, I was sat there on Saturday thinking, I think, I think it's something might have clicked. The tempo is that much quicker and then 20 minutes later, oh, no, no, we've been outthought and outcoached. I've again. just got visions of you sat there like Jez from Peep Show going, I think everything's going to be totally brilliant forever. <laughs> just, you know, with a wide-eyed grin. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you know, it, but the, that is the, I think that might be the perspective that has been lost. The way that the club seem to, they seem to almost fought themselves into a corner by taking offence at things that w- might have been, um, you know, with the exception of that 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 particular article, um, they were all fairly well intentioned, and and they're all coming from a place of we want the best for Norwich City Football Club, and we're either trying to hold up things that we don't think are right because we want the people involved to learn, evolve, and change, and they've put themselves in a position where they've taken a job of, you know, extreme public interest um, locally, um, and and I almost feel like that they are. They're almost fighting a battle one way. You know, we, we're like, no, we don't want to fight about it. We want to talk about this. We want to make it better. Mm. We, we are the we are the couple of the couples counselling saying, no, we are here because we love you. We're here because we want to spend our life with you. We're here because we want our kids to love you. We want we want to continue to bring our kids, our partners, our grandkids to your to your doors and give you money. That's what we want. We want this to work. You are the one that is seems to be almost cross that we dare to ask for something back or on or ask for something on our terms. And, I, and again, I'm not talking podcast. I'm talking us as fans. Um, mm. And, it, and I, it, but I think you touch on a really good point there, Tom, in so much as you've just reminded me there, there is, you know, and you've been doing it several times recently. So either, you know, my judgment is off now or, you know, you've started talking <laughs> sense after four years, mate. Um, what I would say is that, yeah, we are, oh, no, look, that, that maybe that's reeks of, you know, fans that think they're elite or you know whatever but you know look, I will continue to pay my season ticket money regardless of what happens the the club could probably physically assault me you know every day on match day and <laughs> I'd, I'd still I'd still come back and go oh, look you know I'm here for more whereas I think you know and this is just based on recent 
um, personal experience but I think that there might be people who aren't maybe aren't as committed who are a bit more of a casual match day fan who had season tickets in the past that maybe are walking away from it and then the only reference point that I've got with this is that for the first time I decided to put my kids down for uh, or on the season ticket waiting list precisely three weeks ago always been told oh we've got a massive waiting list a couple of thousand people you know all the rest of it season tickets are fully subscribed blah 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 got an email like two days ago saying do you want the season ticket lads and it's like well hang on are, are people walking away are they actually struggling now you know is it have we come to this point and we are seeing increasingly that there's more and more empty seats i think at carrow road and there, are. there was a uh, you know, there was an attendance the other week that was, I think it, it said, you know, the first number was 25 rather than 26 or 27. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, okay, that's different. That's new. Um, and so I just think I mean, there, well, maybe... there is a cost of living crisis coming. There well, is a recession well. coming. People, you know, thing. are people getting value for money? Well, are they give, being given point. something to believe in in these horrible times? That mm. feeds into my point, Edie, before about it's almost like the club have chosen for a number of factors, cost of living included, this is one of the worst times possible to decide to to effectively have the hump with your fan base. Yes. Like yeah. during and during it, Farker's late comebacks, when we were playing beautiful football and, 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 you know, having late comebacks every five minutes, then they probably could have like given everyone a slap at the turnstile and they still would have paid their money and come in because they knew they were going to get 90 minutes of incredible value. And, 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 you know, they could have sent like the tickets in on like, unrecyclable soggy paper through the post that came like an hour before like they could have given us a terrible customer experience and we'd have lapped it up because the product on the pitch was good enough but it's almost like the product on the pitch has now suffered to such an extent that just getting enough points to be within the top 26 of the country we're almost just we're now we're now almost we, we are living the experience of that isn't good enough for norwich fans being, we are currently a top twenty. This is what a current top of twenty six club looks like, and we don't like it. Like we 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 wouldn't mind being uh, we wouldn't mind being thirteenth in the championship if we had a plucky young up and coming manager who was trying really exciting things, and it wasn't quite coming off because the parachute payments have run out, and you know projecting to what in what might be happening in two years time, or we've got a new sporting director who's talking to us regularly about where they're taking the club and why it might we might need patience and why it's a five year plan you know ring any bells like we've, we've been on this journey we know what it's like we are not entitled we know that you have to be patient and wait for those things and those things come and you have to build over time but it doesn't you have like to tell we're the story the, you have yeah. to explain the why you have to tell people why they should hang on why they should continue to believe and why should they should continue to turn up and pay to do so yeah any uh, is there is there one one final question, John? That we that you think we should maybe c- conclude our conversations today upon this important matter. Um, there was quite a bit about sacking Dean Smith and the Atanasio investment, but we've we've kind of felt like we've covered that. Um, so, but I will I will talk about the potential sacking of Dean Smith. Not that it's going to happen, but Andrew Kent, our mate Kenty, asks if Weber were to sack Dean Smith. Do you trust that he would get the next appointment right or given everything that's happened in the last 12 to 18 months, do you have trust in his decision making? I think I'd kick that off with, look, he's only made two appointments at this football club. Um, He's made an excellent appointment at Huddersfield. So, you know, he's probably two from three in terms of things that have gone spectacularly well. And I don't necessarily disagree with his logic in terms of trying to snap up Dean Smith when he did. And I know a lot of people maybe disagree with that and, and think that it speaks to 
a lack of plan. But I think, you know, I think speaking frankly, that our our plan A was Knutson and that we couldn't get Knutson. And so it was like, oh shit, Dean Smith's available. Let's go get him. Because actually he's probably better than anyone that's on my shortlist. And it just hasn't worked. And I think it's not for me whether Stuart Weber will get the next appointment right in terms of the head coach because I think that you know he's got enough of a track record to think that he'll make an entirely reasonable and sensible decision it's more for me now will he make the right call in terms of getting rid of Dean Smith because I still think that it's it's time that he goes and I think that 70 minutes or well sorry 62 minutes um, you know after the 28th minute that, that we endured after that is enough evidence for me to say he's probably not the right man and he's a lovely fella but you know, goodbye. Edie, what do you reckon? Would you trust him with a, the next managerial? I just point? feel like there's been such a shift in mindset. I think it, the mindset that recruited the successes was the optimistic one that I mentioned before. And yeah, I, you know, I mean, obviously didn't have like boundless options for a replacement, but we always managed to find some little weirdo in in Europe somewhere. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's it again. It's like Dean Smith. It's it's like going with someone that everyone's heard of already, and you know, uh, it, it, we just we tend not to fare very well on that. We we we're better when we do the deep dives into the the bargain bins. In, in the secondhand manager shops, that, we find the little rare gems. That, you know, and I think we're, we're going to do that with curiosity, but not with positivity. I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's any chance that he that he's sacked whilst he is within a couple of results of automatic promotion. I mean, and there is a perfect logic to that because it would cost us a lot of money to get a, mm-hmm. a manager with um, the, the level of wages that a manager we wouldn't be absolutely furious about them being appointed would demand. Um, so it's not going to happen and people responding to that's not the question though mate yeah I I would I would trust him to I trust Stuart Webber's skill set I still think given the resources that he's had to work with the wage constraints he's had to work with the position in the league we have been I think he has a um, the percentage of those decisions players and managers giving him the benefit of the doubt that you know the players things are slightly more him though obviously there was a confusion sometimes he's a Daniel player he's a Stuart player etc you know Sam Sam McCallum for example he, he looks like a really solid excellent championship um signing um and also Ramsey who I thought was very very slow to start didn't really think he was ever going to be a starter Ramsey has been a real bright spot the last two or three um games uh, and you know clearly can have a real impact in a top six championship team very wrong about him um although you know we finally got to see him in a role that he's comfortable in etc so there's other caveats and you know and maybe that was more of a dean smith one but managers and lots and lots of players both the obviously big ones and some medium ones like mccallum who's you know not going to be the best player in our history but certainly was a solid pickup and has helped us out of a whole injury wise a couple of times now um i do trust his skill set he's he he clearly was so angry about the everest stuff so angry about the personal article about him which I get i totally understand that um well i wouldn't have published it um totally totally furious about so many things it feels like 
that I, I just feel like maybe he, he is just waiting for the right opportunity to move on. Now, a really good way of, of, of moving on would be for him to get another fantastic appointment um, and then his stock is going to rise and rise and rise because, oh, he's nailed it again with another one. But I don't know. I, I just feel like do an interview, like talk us through like what the plan is, how we, how things are going to kick on and have things. It just feels like it feels very much like Norwich is his second job. I mean, maybe I'm completely alone in that. No, well, I kind of, I, I know where you're coming from, but I think, yeah, that's the, the, the thing is the do an interview, I think is probably exactly where I'm at because Stuart Weber in interviews will talk an awful lot of sense, uh, an awful lot of the time. And we haven't heard enough from him, I think, to to kind of create that narrative and to to make you know to give us some level of reassurance that actually our football club is is on a strong footing because he knows football, he knows how the game works, and he's made some incredible decisions for this football club. And part of that, and part of his decision making, was around communicating with the supporters, um, and that hasn't happened enough. If yeah, people are sorry, missing just... football during the World Cup, Blake break if people are missing Norwich City during the World Cup break um, and if people are feeling maybe disconnected from the the nonsense tournament that's going on in Qatar um, don't forget that there is Norwich City women's and they've got a really important cup match on the 27th of November so by all means it's really cheap if you want to take your family you know children can interact with the players really really well and they're really up for that I would just encourage everyone to get behind that team because it really feels like the club is doing something really good in terms of building momentum behind the women's setup, and um, you know, look, we've dug them out for not doing that before, so that we should we should recognise it when they are doing it. Excellent. Well, that's a that's a good date for people's diary. Twenty seventh, twenty seventh of November okay. at the Nest. Uh, yeah, and we'll 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 give that a push on the socials. Right, we've we've timed out this lunchtime to to moan about Norwich. Um, thank you very much, John. I acknowledge you exist. Thank you very much, Edie. Your analogies, as always, are top draw. Uh, and uh, however you intend to spend your four-week break of not having to watch Norwich City play, um, I hope you find some solace in the fact that we certainly won't lose any games uh, over the next four weeks, and we certainly can't play badly over the next four games. And uh, whilst those hoping for Smith to be sacked are very likely to be um, unhappy, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It's a funny old world football, isn't it? Mind how you go.